episode four, everyone. What's going on? It's the Trigger Happy Chatterbox. And this is the world's greatest detective. And this is Dead Bad. So uh, I hope you guys have been listening to not only one, two, but also three on uh, Podbean and iTunes. Um, Please and- listen to us, man. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, it's been no, it's been a minute. Um, I know we haven't. I've haven't been on Facebook in the past couple of days. We've been getting ready for uh, Pensacon, which is in Pensacola, Florida, from the 23rd of February all the way to the 25th. So um, all three days, come see us. Oh yes. Um, a whole bunch to get to. I know. First and foremost, uh, Kyle, if you want to, uh, your Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is world's greatest detective six two six nine two. I believe it is. Um, no spaces, no punctuation. Just, just all straight. Awesome, awesome. We do have a Instagram for Dead Bad. I know it's Dead Bad XX Official, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I haven't been on Instagram in a minute either. I've just been. If, it feels like I've been in purgatory or Alcatraz the last freaking week or so, kind of trying to catch up a little bit. Um, we also have a Twitter, which of course that will be dead bat with two X's one more. And then we might get flagged. Um, what else? Um, and then we also have Facebook as well. So also look us up on Facebook as well. Dead bat or dead bat official. You'll find us either or on there and Hey, tell us what you think of the show. Thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever the case may be. Um, doing all the house cleaning. I know. Cause there's a ton of stuff we got to talk about. Um, Kyle, you wanna you wanna start us off there, buddy? Good lord! All right. Um, so uh, I, I guess we're gonna go ahead and go with our uh, MCU segment. Yes. Uh, so as you guys know, we are uh, counting down to the release of Infinity War, which of course is gonna be around May, June, July, the summer months. Obviously, you know, summer movies are huge. And uh, I think we did we did Iron Man, we did Captain America, and we did um, um, what was the other movie we did? Incredible Hulk. Yeah, we did Incredible Hulk. Um, followed uh, up with uh, the last one being Iron Man too. Yes. Um, so we we did a good balance of a bit of uh, Phase One and and one and a half to get to the point of of where it's Phase Two or or what have you in this case where. I don't think it's even phase two. I think it's just still in phase one, um, where it's uh, we're we're getting down to the the culmination of everything. And uh, me and Kyle were talking about uh, Thor, which was uh, another movie that was in phase one. Uh, yeah, Thor. You know, I, I honestly wasn't sure about about Chris, Chris Hemsworth at first. Um, if we're being honest about it. I didn't, I didn't think he really, he really fit the role, but you know, a, a lot like, uh, a lot like Ben Affleck did with 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 Batman. I, th- I think he proved us wrong. I mean, he's been Thor in what five, six movies at this point. Yeah. Um. I I think they did all they could do uh, there. Like it was a great movie. It was enjoyable. Um. But there's only you know. When you when you're making a, a comic book movie, obviously you want to change things from the source material and tweak it just a little bit to make it just interesting enough to those that are um, maybe new to these characters or uh, know these characters from the comic books, so that it's interesting to both parties. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I think they found a, a solid balance with, uh, with this particular film to nail that down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I know, um, shout out to a good friend of ours um, who was, uh, I think me and him shared the same point where when we went to go see Thor, we had very low expectations of the film. And all in all, it was one of those things where um, when I think about it, I, I've never been a real big Thor fan. Um, I just never was. I never was in North, Norse mythology. I never was. I, it's like, it's crazy. But um, yeah, I have to agree with uh, with Kyle here. It's one of those things where um, I, I didn't think he could pull it off. Like when I think of Thor, I think of this really, this manly man that has like a fucking big ass hammer that can end your fucking life. And lo and behold, this, this Calvin Klein model comes out and just like says, I'm Thor. It's like, I needed some convincing. And he... I think he did a pretty good job. I think it's him and Chris Evans that both get the uh, both get the uh, the John seal of approval because I didn't think uh, Chris Evans was. I mean, we talked about it in the last episode. I didn't think he could ever be Captain America, and he proved my ass wrong. <laughs> so I mean, it's 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 that really. Which I know you and me have been waiting a very long time for both of us to sit back and talk about the Avengers. Um, let's just go off on record and say that we did get a bit of a teaser during Captain America, the first Avenger, as to what this was going to look like. And I know a lot of us were amped up. We were hyped to see the the culmination. Because we've never... If you were to tell me in 2007 that Marvel Studios is going to be a thing... And then they're going to make the Avengers and, and like really set up every character and make them important. I would have laughed in your face. Well, I think that's because uh, just just back in the day, superhero team ups carried this kind of stigma that they just couldn't work. And it was uh, it was only solo films that were ever going to make any money um, just on the basis that a team up film would be so damn expensive to put together yeah and I think we kind of proved it wrong in this day and age um I mean even Justice League which they're calling a flop now made double its production worth yeah most definitely um and it was a it was a nice moment uh seeing all these characters together I mean I watched all the all the films leading up to um, leading up to the Avengers and I wasn't familiar with the characters before that and like I'm only it was an emotional moment even even for me because they set these characters up so well yeah I uh I know we were just talking earlier before we uh, decided to air the show or even record it right now um I had a friend, uh, shouts out to uh, Tran, Tran Nguyen. Don't look him up on Facebook and be a stalker. Um, so Tran is a really good friend of mine. He's my brother, much like you are, Kyle. Um, and he's, uh, me and him, we used, to, we used to road together on the fighting game community. We used to really, really go around places and things of that nature. And um, I remember 
I told him, hey, bro, the Avengers, let's go watch it. And at first, I mean, I could definitely tell there was some kind of resistance to it. And, and then once we went to go see the movie, once we came out of that theater, man, he was like, yo, I want to see how good Iron Man is. And he just got into playing the, uh, you know, the characters and shit. And it was so awesome because to see that like these movies have gotten so big that they they influence someone who either is a not reading uh, not reading uh, has hasn't read a comic and and just got them to the point of really wanting to be invested it says a lot about marvel's cinematic universe and where it was going at the time mm-hmm. you know um which it's so funny that was 2012 time goes by really fast it's 2018 we're about to see like bonnie the dinosaur aka thanos just wreck the shit up now yeah that's gonna be one hell of a movie because you're talking about probably the biggest budget superhero team i've ever made yeah which just just it's absolutely crazy. Um, it's just mind-blowing to me just where we've come from to now where we're at. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're Marvel or DC, Black Horse Comics. It doesn't even matter just to see that these movies are actually movies and they are successful. And I think I, uh, I, think I enjoyed the character arcs from, you know, the original Iron Man, uh, Iron Man 1, I should say, to the Avengers. Um, Particularly for Stark, because he did get a a sequel in before the Avengers happened. Um, It was interesting to see him go from this, this playboy type who was, you know, so far up his own ass that he didn't really give a shit about anybody else and then when the Avengers comes around he realizes finally I think in that movie um, like the moment where Coulson dies yeah I think the moment that he flips and goes it's bigger than me yeah so it's 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 one of those movies that you know it's it's the first of its kind um, oh yeah most definitely and even if you're not, you know, a big fan of Marvel or just like the MCU in particular, it's it's really one of those films where you just kind of, you know, you got to give it, a, you know, something, an applause, a thank you, something, because it's, it's really an example of um, how successful these films can be. And it, it, that means that you know, these companies, WB, DC, um, Marvel Studios with the MCU, um, it, it gives them an example to strive by to keep making stories and yeah. to keep making these films with these characters that we love so much. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we got other characters, like independent characters that are now showing the light. I don't know if... If anyone, I mean, I'm sure that people are aware. I mean, you got uh, Todd McFarlane just grinding to try to get a, a Spawn reboot, which this is outside of Marvel DC. Um, and then you got uh, Hellboy, which that's going to be a nice reboot as well. So you have Spawn and you have Hellboy both actually coming out of this. And you know what? 
if this was the 90s, I would have said no. But because it's 2018 and beyond, they've got shots to be great movies too. And it all kind of falls down on on the success of what these comic book movies have become. Whether it's, you know, it, you can even find a bit of success in some failure. And I'm not trying to pin that to DC. But you can still find some silver linings in some really bad movies and still be like, eh, you know what, it's... It really, it, it, we can take that and look at that for what it is, you know, and, and, and that's the one reason why you and I can sit here and be like, yo, as much as Batman versus Superman was, in my opinion, at 6 out of 10, it still had a lot of good thumbs up successes in my book. <laughs> you know, just the idea that we finally got to see what I think the entire world was going nuts over, which was Ben Affleck's Batman. We got to finally see that. And to really make our own conclusions. Because these days, it's like... And I, I don't mention this right off the bat. I don't like when we, we hear about people talking about certain things within this culture that we're, we're talking about. And they don't necessarily make their own conclusion. They just go off of what you've seen off you know social media. And that's pretty much it. But when we go see the movie, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. This is a whole other game here, you know? Yeah. So draw your own conclusions. That's that's basically what I want to say. Like, and wait and give these movies time to breathe. Yeah, I mean it can work both ways too. Like, um, you know, people were raving about Wonder Woman there for a while, and um, when we went to see it, you know, maybe the first three quarters, I can see what they were talking about. It's really well made. It's it's a great movie. But then the ending threw me for such a twist that I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. I feel like you just threw away the last three quarters of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, it's, it, it comes down to forming your own conclusions. If you hear the movie's bad, go check it out, you know? Maybe not go see it in theaters. Rent it if you want to. But... Watch it for yourself and draw your own conclusions on it. Yeah. I know some people are going to be like, oh, well, John, you know, you didn't do that for Star Wars. Basically, what I did with Star Wars was I looked at two conclusions of two different... I didn't I didn't say it was bad and I didn't say it was good. I just decided, well, since I haven't seen the movie, I'm just going to go off of what you guys have been saying as a means to... You know, also draw a different outlet that we that that me and me and you know Kyle don't really do, because me and Kyle will give our opinions every so often, you know, on Dead Bat. But like, it's really rare when someone takes a poll from what's going on in social media itself. The difference being, though, that you will see that movie. I'm gonna sit you down and make you watch that fucking movie. Uh, well, you did for Assassin's Creed, and that was that was terrible. Yeah, um, that's 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 gonna happen. Honestly, I feel like you know, The Last Jedi is gonna become like part of our bad movie night. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> um it was the film was well made. The, the film itself, you know, obviously these filmmakers know what they're doing. It's well shot, but it's that's it. You know, it's yeah. a pretty movie. But the script's not, not, not very pretty. Yeah. Um, the last movie out of that entire little lineup we had, Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. 
Um, no, 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 no. Iron Man three. My bad. Iron Man three was the one that I, I that I think that was the last one we were going to talk about. How did you feel Iron about? Man how did you feel about that? Um, you know, I thought the point that Tony could be Iron Man without being in the suit was interesting. Yeah. Um, I I think it was one of those movies that did a lot for Stark's development for it, like just being a filler movie. Because let's be honest, you know that's what it was. Yeah. Um. I I do enjoy the continuity from the Avengers to Iron Man three, where you're seeing Tony's uh, post traumatic stress taking place and you know that, that that one moment where he tells Pepper that he can't sleep um, because of what happened to him so he comes down to his his workshop and he does what he knows he, he builds suits yeah um, I, I think it had you know those, those small little tidbits to offer mm-hmm. um, I don't think it was the worst comic book movie we've seen um that's not to say it was the best either I also feel like it gets a lot of flack coming off the Avengers yeah um cause any movie that follows up the Avengers is probably gonna get shit oh yeah most definitely I thought it was okay it wasn't one of those movies where you know I was just like yo awesome Iron Man Iron Man fell off for me for a while um, and at the time, I think I was more angry at Daniel Way's Deadpool than I was at the movies. Um, and so it was, it was, eh, like it was, it was cool for where they were going with, with some of the things they had. The Mandarin was the one thing that I think when people want to talk to me about Iron Man 3, I'm just like, don't, don't ever bring that up. That for, I, I, I refuse to believe that that is what we're going with, with the Mandarin. Just, you know, these extremists who are, no, Ben Kingsley was the fucking Mandarin. I, that's that's kind of where I stand on it. It's kind of like a, you know what that reminds me of? What's up? Aries. Oh, God, no. It's like an Aries situation. That, that really was a what the fuck Aries Wonder Woman situation where you're just like, just just why like this this is the guy that we're gonna be fighting against someone who looks like Bill Paxton from Twister <laughs> yeah. oh shit I was thinking with uh with Gwyneth Paltrow I was like wait a minute uh oh uh, I'm guessing she resembles Helen Hunt so we're gonna have them arguing for the whole movie and then and then they're gonna reconcile and then chase the fucking Twister with Dorothy being the Mechanic that actually was supposed to do research on the fucking tornadoes in Iron Man three of all things, and I'm like, oh my god, get this shit out of my face. So Iron Man three did introduce Extremis. It did, and it's funny. That's, that's something it did do for us. Yes, and and I think if if anything, I know uh, me and Kyle were talking about the new Extremis suit that uh that Tony is probably going to be having in the Infinity War movie. So this this did have one silver lining to it that most people don't give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Like I know I know that suit looks slick and then uh 
Uh, yeah, Kyle, g give your give you. I know you were going you were going ape shit when you saw that suit. Go ahead, bro. Man, let me tell you that that, that suit is clean. Um, shit, that, it's probably the sleekest suit I have ever seen in a in a, in a comic book film. Yeah. Um. I mean, granted. It's all CGI, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how you're just like, yeah, I'm about to crush anyone's dreams that love that suit and think it's great. It just remember it's Green Lantern CGI. No, but can you can you imagine like all the fucking cosplays that we're probably gonna get off of that? Oh yeah, most definitely. That is gonna be whoever pulls that off. Um, I applaud you, sir. <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> Uh, we also have some uh, good news to announce before we get into the other uh, things is that we are putting together, we're slowly but surely getting ourselves ready for Megacon 2018 in both Orlando and the Tampa area. Um, if you have not had any chance to look up the information, well, Jason Momoa from Justice League will also be there as well. Oh, yes. So that's a little bit of an incentive for not just me, but for Kyle over here. Uh, to just go full Batman and uh, I mean when he told me that news I, I was going nuts I was like whoa wait a minute he says he wants to be there and and I'm hoping uh, John Bernthal shows up too because if he does um, it'll be some Deadpool Punisher shit way before the official Deadpool Punisher shit <laughs> oh yes um, which which brings us to a, a news clip that I just read actually oh bring it um, so, uh, according to Feige, so this comes from IGN, if, the, if this was coming from, you know, like a, a clickbait news article, I'd be like, what the fuck ever. <laughs> um, but IGN tends to actually do their research. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so, according to IGN, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to directly quote them here. Uh, in an interview with Vulture, Feige explained that the deal between Disney and Fox still has to be figured out before any X-Men, Fantastic Four, or other Marvel characters from Fox can be added to the MCU. Um, uh, and they're directly quoting Feige here by saying, uh, there's been no communication, we're not thinking about it, we're focusing on everything we've already announced. If and when the deal actually happens, we'll start to think more about it. Until then, we have a lot to do. There's a lot of ground to cover with that. I mean, you're you're taking a whole movie studio and distribution and just making it your own. I, I can kind of understand that. Um, by the way, IGN is one of the very few that I'm like, all right, they're trusted source. And they get a lot of their stuff from Polygon, which is another really trusted source, which he's had a lot of accuracies with a lot of news stories. Um yeah, I could see that, dude. I could definitely see that they're... It's like freaking 5% in on a download for for Fox. So it's it's got it's got to be a lot of stuff, a lot of ground to cover, and just so many things that they're going to be figuring out. Like, what are they going to do with the current state? Like, are they going to go with a new story, or are they going to say mutants have been there all this time? The one story that I think they can do... If the X Men do get introduced into the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you can you could always say 
that Xavier, along with the CIA, have decided they don't want mutants to be hid. Like it could be a really big cover-up story where you know for years these thing these people have been around, but they have been trying to hide from society. I mean that's essentially what you know the the school for mutants was. I mean it was a protection. It was a it was a facility for mutants, but. It was also a way of having their own home. Who's to say that Xavier wouldn't be like, well, wait a minute, it's it's not enough. I have to protect these people, so I'm going to make everyone forget of the idea of mutants. Yeah. You know, it's entirely possible you can go with that story. Deadpool is a lot easier and more flexible to put into a story than it is the X-Men. I mean, nigga, you can have him go ahead and jump into the fucking Avengers movie, and he's peeing on a tree, and it just makes more sense right now. It's it's just so easy to put Deadpool in a story. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this with the idea that they would actually take into account that, you know, um, you know, he has so much material with all these characters that it's it's not even funny at this point. And, and Deadpool's a funny character. I mean, you know me. I want to see, you know, Captain America and, and Deadpool because that story needs to be told. Um, I think more so than ever, we need to see Doctor Doom and. Uh, I do have a fan cast that I want to throw your way, and I want to see how you feel. By the way, shouts out to uh, to Eric Claremont for this this fan fan cast because he actually did mention this. Uh, Keith and Sutherland from Twenty Four as Doom. Hmm. How do you feel about that? I'm not um, I'm not familiar with the name. Okay. Have you read it by me again? Yeah, uh, Keith and Sutherland. Oh shit. As Doom. Yeah. How, how would you feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I can see it. Um, he brought it to my attention, and I I thought about it for a little bit here. I thought it was a really good fan cast. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, Given you don't show his face, excuse me, just given that you don't show his face and he just goes in with the full on metallic armor with the, you know, maybe a dark green, you know, um, hoodie and just robe all together, just looking, looking just like he's in a, he's in a wreck shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think that's honestly what I would, I would do in this case. I I'd probably put Keith in Sutherland. As uh, as Doom, because he, I feel like, he, and and Eric said it too. He he has that that confidence that you're gonna need. Like you gotta bring it to the table. I'm an enemy that controls a fucking country. Fear me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it it was a good fan cast. I wanted to bring that to your attention before we move on to anything else, because I was like, ooh, I wonder what Kyle thinks about that. That would actually be pretty badass. Yeah. Um, moving on to another, uh, a couple other topics. Kyle, you said you had some gaming news? Yeah, so, uh, so I got for you guys what, um, what, uh, PS Plus and Xbox games you should be expecting, uh, this month. So, uh, for February 2018, uh, for PS4, you have Knack and Rhyme. Uh, I've never played any of those, but I, I, I think Mac is um, pretty sure it was one of the PS4 launch titles that we got. Um, for PS3, you have Spelunker HD, 
and uh, Mugen Soul Z. I feel like I butchered the shit out of that. Uh, and for PSV, you have Grand Kingdom and Exiles End. And then for uh, for Xbox, you've got uh, Xbox One. You have Shadow War, which is going to be available from February 1st, 28th. Uh, Assassin's Creed Chronicles India, which is going to be available February 16th through March 15th. Uh, for Xbox 360, you've got Split Second uh, from February 1st to the 15th. And Crazy Taxi from February 16th to the 28th. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just say Crazy Taxi? Crazy Taxi. Yo, they're bringing Crazy Taxi back? Oh, yes. Yo. Shouts out to everyone who loves Sega and who's grown up with Sega. I realize that there's certain people who didn't grow up with the Dreamcast, but Crazy Taxi was my shit. Like, oh my Jesus, bringing it back. Nostalgia fever, let's go. So we've also got a few other things here. Um, one of them not being particularly gaming news, and I'll go ahead and get that one out of the way right now. Yep. Uh, Gotham by Gaslight comes out February 6th on DVD and Blu-ray. This is uh, this definitely one I'm going to be picking up and checking out. Yeah, is this the uh, new Batman cartoon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so the premise is it's in uh, Victorian London. Um, and, uh, he's going to be taking on Jack the Ripper. Oh, I heard about that shit. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Man, yeah, so that's, that's... coming out. That's already out on digital. Uh, get it on digital if you're into that kind of thing. I prefer physical. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and as, as far as the gaming news wrap up, uh, EA, EA, fucking EA. Um, <laughs> so they did what we knew they were gonna do. Uh, we talked about, I think it was, it was a while ago. I think it was episode one or two. We talked about them pulling microtransactions from Star Wars Battlefront two. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're back, and I, I. I honestly don't know what the state of them is because I don't I don't have the game myself. Uh, they said when they pulled them they were going to do some kind of rework to make them more reasonable or something like that. But honestly, I I feel like it was a marketing technique personally. You know, you're you're getting a lot of flack for these microtransactions, so why don't you do this? You pull the microtransactions out and you wait. And the more people that hear that you did this, they'll buy the game. And yeah. then you throw the microtransactions back in because fuck it. Damn. It's, you know, I don't know. Um, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, microtransactions are always going to be there. They're going to be something that we're going to have to deal with in the gaming industry. Um, and it sucks. But like I talked about before, dev costs have risen significantly. So we're it's you know something we're gonna have to get used to. And if you if you don't like it, don't buy it. Yeah, it's that's, that's primarily what it comes down to. Yeah, it's coming to that point where it's like you know, 
I, I could only name maybe two companies that really have done good, you know, uh, microtransaction or just their DLC practices are not as fucked up as some others. Like, uh, and, and say what you will about NetherRealm Studios, but they, they have done a pretty good job of saying we're going to make a quality game and our DLC is not just DLC, but it's the staying power for your game. Um, and, and that's what I think. I think that's why Injustice 2 has lasted as long as it did. You know, um, Injustice 1 didn't last that long for me, in my opinion. Injustice 2 lasted a pretty goddamn long time because of the way that they've been uh, packaging their DLC. And which... Oh, yeah. If, if you have something that adds to the game, especially to the longevity... Yeah. People, people are still going to play it. Like, um, Assassin's Creed Origins. Ubisoft just came out with their big DLC called The Hidden Ones. Mm-hmm. And um, the basic premise, and this is spoilers for anybody who hasn't finished the game yet. Spoilers! Um, huh? Oh, no, I just wanted to make sure. By the way, um, it's going to be funny. Uh, TJ came out and she wanted to do the spoiler alert voice. As if it was like a PSA. <laughs> so, shouts out to uh, TJ. Um, you could find her at Mina Chan223. So, if you ever get a chance to go ahead and check out her, uh, her Instagram. She, yeah, she was like, hey, so um, I should probably do the voice for, for every time you guys talk about things that have spoilers in it. And I'm just like, next time, honey, we'll put you on there. We'll record it and we'll put it right on the... Uh, Right on there, right on cue, so that way it's just like everyone knows we're going into some spoiler territory. I just thought it was cool to mention that. Oh yeah, so uh, you're about to get some spoilers, bitch. Um, <laughs> basically, this this DLC takes place uh, after the events of the basic game. Um, Bayek is like a fully fledged um, mentor assassin now, running around doing his thing. And it, you know, it, it adds on to the story of the game, which is kind of my point here. Um, if you're going to make a game and you're going to give it DLC, give it a solid story. Give it something people give a shit about. Um, and, you know, people care about winning, sure. But uh, it's one of those things where it's like, do you, do you really want to be that guy to make your game pay to win? Yeah. Uh, now I've I have heard people, um, you know, online and in the comments section uh, and what have you, um, say that the game is a little more balanced now. Um, that you know, whether you buy things or you don't buy things, it all depends on your skill level. And that's you know, that's also kind of a double-edged sword because if you bought things. And they were giving you an edge, and now they're not giving you that anymore. Yeah. Then why did you spend that money? Um, it's just it's a questionable business practice to me. Yeah, um, I I mean when we talk about questionable business practices, I, I'd feel like I wouldn't be doing much of a favor if I didn't ma- if I didn't mention Capcom or Konami because they just really have the not only the most questionable but just the most just. It, it, it pisses on fans so hard DLC choices that I've ever seen ever in video games. Um, we're talking about giving a game like a, a $60 game and you're only giving them half the fucking game and they have to download the other half of it for another $30. Yeah. 
that's it's it's one of those. Don't be one of those. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not a I mean it's it's one of those things where I just I, I cringe whenever I see if anything an investment that I made earlier which oh man I might do we might be getting some met let's plays as well hopefully we can uh, grab an Elgato and start setting that up um, one of the less plays that I'd like to do is a really old nostalgia game that I have talked about for so so long uh, I bought uh, two and three because one. And one could be explained rather easily, but I bought the the Jack and Daxter series, but I bought Jack Two and Jack Three for thirty dollars. You know, I actually just started playing Final Fantasy X. Oh boy, I have to hear your yeah. opinion of this. I, I I just got into it, and uh, well, I bought the remaster for okay. PS4, and uh, I, I've had it a while. But I've been so caught up in 15 that I'm like, fuck, when am I ever going to have time to play 10? Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I finally got around to it the other day where I just sat down and I was like, you know what? I really don't want to play 15 right now. Let's jump into 10 and see what that's all about. Um, understanding that it's a remaster for, you know, if, if, if you were to look at it, the graphics from the PlayStation 2, it, it held up pretty well yeah um like the, uh, the the devs really really impressed me with this one and then i heard i heard from a co-worker that you can actually um play as all the characters i don't know if that was like the final fantasy standard back in the day um <clears throat> not really um i know walking wise it was always titus um <clears throat> but yeah continue i'm sorry like you know some of the characters from 10 bridge into 10 2 and uh, that, that seems kind of interesting to me um i like how you have to uh you have to decode their language so you can understand what the fuck I'm, what, what, what the fuck they're saying yeah um and when i was when i was talking to this co-worker um there's this there's this point in the beginning of the game where you're you're underwater and you're swimming and um he was like, did you get the two, did you get the two, um, you know, like, I, I think, I don't know what they're called, but, uh, I, I call them translation pages cause be real. Um, he was like, did you get the two translation pages that were in the water? And I was like, there were two in the water. He's like, yeah, man, there's, there's, there's two there and there's one on the boat. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, oh man, um. You know that that stuff carries over into ten two, and it, it translates. You know what they're saying for you in ten two if you collect all of them in ten one. And I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, um, I love uh, ten. That's all good. Good. Yeah, I love ten. Holy shit! You want to talk about a Final Fantasy game outside of seven that I loved so much? Ten was one of them. Um, and uh, to to go off a bit of uh, someone's opinion. Um, because, well, somebody's opinion came out and said that they didn't like a couple characters in the game, and, and, and to that I'm not going to say that 10 is the most protected. If anything, 7 is the one that whenever you hear, you, you mention 7, everyone just jumps right on the whole thing of things, as far as, um, you know, Final Fantasy is concerned, but 10 was, it was awesome. Like, it, it yeah, there was, it was a cliche love story between Tidus and, and, 
and Yuna and, and that whole thing. But no, you had a good cast of characters that, I mean, you either A, you cared about or you were like, eh, I care about you, but eh. But I, I for one, I did like Waka, even though he's he's the comic relief. I did, I think everyone's favorite is Orin because... That man looks like Vash Stampede. Just look like he looks like Vash Stampede from Trigun's father. Honestly, um, bro, just you know, trench coat and all. His ha- yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like he has the he has that look. Like he doesn't have to fight, but when he does, you know, shit's going down. <laughs> um, and just and then the story plays out really well. I mean, in my opinion, the cinematics hold up to this day as like one of the best of the cinematics you'll ever get. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I, I think you got yourself a gem right there with that remaster, dude. Yeah, man, it, it should be interesting. I mean, I'm loving the story so far. Yeah, I, I didn't want to spoil too much because, you know, the game really, I, I mean, I beat the game and everything and it's just, to me, I love it. It's one of the best Final Fantasies ever. I think 10 and 7, they hold a very special place in my heart, honestly. And it's cool because... To see the new age of, of Final Fantasy, I think you and TJ are like the the, the newer fans that are, are jumping back to see what we played growing up a little bit, you know, with 10 now that you're playing it. Um, you know, 15 is a great gateway. I will give 15 credit where credit is due. 15 not only has really awesome characters that will get you invested, but 15 will get you to be like, huh, you know, 15 is a good game, but let me see what 7 and 10 were because they have always been talked about. Yeah. So, if fifteen did that for you, then I love the, I love fifteen even more than me loving it in the first place. Oh yeah, and I got um, I have thirteen one, so I'm trying to get thirteen two now. So that way, when I finish, you know, ten one and ten two, hopefully I can I can get to those as well. Because it you know it, it seems interesting, and honestly, it was those were one of the first games that I've ever seen played on PlayStation two. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing, I think it was 10-2 played on the PlayStation 2. Yeah. Um, I was like, holy shit, that looks cool. And then the only, the only other game I ever saw on the PlayStation 2 was uh, Hitman. Um, and this was this was before I ever even got my PlayStation 2. Yeah. Um, which, when I did, you already know, Battlefront 2 was on the fucking list every fucking day. Oh yeah, most <laughs> definitely. <laughs> You know, not this Battlefront 2, because fuck this Battlefront 2. Um, the, you know, the good one. <laughs> yes. The one that really was 120 20 bucks of of just of value in terms of content. Yeah, that only cost you, what, 40 back in the day? Maybe? Yeah. It, it was a sharp 40, because EA did not give out any games that were 50 and above. They were, I think even Madden was like a good $20, $30. I mean, they had their shit rather low. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you really wanted to make the comparison, let's talk about how on launch day, more people were playing the old Battlefront 2 from 2005 than the new one. Yeah. Yeah, that was a thing. That's what it's saying a lot when in terms of just how the game is in turn. That's why I think it's just one of those things where I'm playing this. I'm playing really old games now, like Jack 2 and Jack 3 are just are, are my favorites in terms of that goes I'll just throw I'll throw a scenario your way and I want to see how you feel about this Uh, in Jack 2 in Jack 3 you have four types of guns in your arsenal and you get different types of upgrades for all these games that come out 
I mean, all not games, uh, these guns that come out. So you have a shotgun, you have a sniper rifle, a machine gun, and pretty much a one-shot kill gun. That's basically what you have, which I love the name, by the way. It's called the Peacemaker. <laughs> so... There you go. You know, it, it shoots a fucking Kamehameha out of the fucking gun, which looks like a damn dragon. With uh, the 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 barrel of the gun is like a, a dragon, and it looks really fucking cool. It really was a metalhead, but the metalheads are something that I had to explain in another another podcast. Um, but yeah, like, and, and then the the scenario that I wanted to throw was the sniper rifle's last upgrade. Now, the last upgrade is this pod. Like, once you go ahead and you hit the trigger button, there's a pod that comes off of the gun, and it actually rises up to your opponents and literally just shoots everything within that radius spinning around and then comes right back to you. Holy shit. Yeah, that was the coolest shit in the world. I mean, the second one was cool because the second upgrade of that sniper rifle, the bullets bounce off the wall. Damn. Yeah, and, and and that's what I love about the gun system out of Jack and Daxter. It's one of my favorites, honestly. Um, so, uh, you know, if you guys are, are big Jack and Daxter fans, there is the bundle that you can get definitely on PSN. Um, it's one of the things that I would say that if you, if you have been contemplating your ass off on PlayStation, you have an Xbox, there's Crash Bandicoot and there's Jack and Daxter for your classic games. Um, I don't see why there isn't a reason to get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, Kyle, I'm wearing a very interesting nostalgic shirt. Would you like to guess what shirt I'm wearing, sir? It's the Batman shirt, bitch, let's be honest. Yes, I'm wearing the Vegeta Batman shirt. Thank you so much, honey, for it. Uh, because... We're now going to get into Dragon Ball Super. I realize we don't do reviews on here, but fuck it. I'll be watching it every Saturday, so I need to get off my chest what the fuck has been happening. Alright. So, Kyle, you know who Lord Frieza is. Am I correct? I believe I do. This brother got his ass beat last Saturday. Really? Um, so, I'm going to fill you up to speed on what's going on. Everybody pretty much who listens to this podcast who does watch Dragon Ball Super will know, but I'm going to fill you up to speed. So we're in this, this this entire story arc called the Tournament of Power. And there are multiple universes that are fighting in this entire arc. Universe, I think it's six or seven, is where Goku, Vegeta, Frieza, Gohan, Piccolo, that's their universe. Right now, currently, they're fighting against Universe 11, which consists of Topo, and which consists of Jiren, which I think you've heard me talk about Jiren, which is the f- fucking generic alien that looks like shit. Um, but Damn. Jiren is the one that's fighting against Goku and Vegeta, and Jiren's giving one hell of a fucking showdown. I mean, this man has to be higher than Boo. On, he's higher than Beerus, in my opinion. Like, this nigga... When, when, when Vegeta did Final Flash... He deflected the blast with his eyes. What the fuck? I'm not even kidding you. He's just like, oh, that was cute. Bing! Um, what the fuck? Yeah, Jaren did that. And Jaren is like, he's up there on the on the strength train. It's crazy. And uh, to also let you know, Goku has uh, Super Saiyan Blue, Kaioken. And then there's uh, Vegeta, which I'm going to label it as Limit Breaker. 
uh, Super Saiyan Blue because Goat Vegeta has a brand new form. He's even more, his hair is even more blue than what it originally was, which is hilarious. But still, he's, he's even more powerful. So, meanwhile, there's Android 17, which he's been alive for some time now. And it's Frieza, who has been dead, but he's still in this, this universe tournament. And Topo is one of the very few from Universe 11. And, and what's going on here is that Topo and, Uni- and 17 are having this key blast battle going on. Because I'm pretty sure you know the androids have unlimited power. They just keep shooting fucking key blasts all they want. Um, and they're going off. Needless to say, Frieza finds the ultimate opportunity and starts shooting death beams behind fucking Topo. Like he's just like poking the fuck out of him with his own finger itself. And Topo does lose balance and does actually get hit with the said blast showdown that 17 and Topo were having. It was at this moment that Topo said, you know what? Fuck this. I am done trying to go for justice like our entire universe is right now, and I'm just going to wreck shit. So he goes full God of Destruction, and 17 shits himself. Holy shit. Now, um, God of Destruction, it sounds exactly what it is. Like, in every universe, I think there's, like, a God of Destruction, and it's it's crazy. And um, Vegeta does not think, not Vegeta, of uh, Frieza which is Golden Frieza from the old Resurrection of F movie. I, I love how I said old Resurrection of F movie. Like, it's, it's been out for 10 years. Um, but Golden Frieza's there, and he's just like, dude, I can take you. Here's the thing about that. Frieza in this entire universe of power, fighting skill-wise with all these strong, powerful opponents, is the equivalent of how Krillin was when he was next to Frieza, not Frieza, uh, Vegeta and Goku in terms of that. Frieza has no idea what the fuck is going to happen next. So Topo shoots this huge fucking purple beam at Frieza. Frieza's like, nah, I'm good. I'm still going to go ahead and deflect it because I did it in the last couple episodes. Let's go. Needless to say, he undermined the beam, and the beam was so damn powerful, it knocked him from Golden Frieza to Final Form Frieza. So we're talking like Super Saiyan level weak. So Frieza is wounded, and 17 goes in again, and it's to the point that Frieza comes right back, right? He's still Final Form Frieza, like he doesn't believe anything whatsoever, and just Topo beats the fuck out your man. Like... This dude took his fist and put it in Frieza's stomach so hard, I saw his fist from the other side of his stomach. Holy shit. Yo, I was uh, Raph, a.k.a. uh, Squirtle, in our little Pokemon group. I was over at his house, and I grabbed him by his shoulders, and I I did have a black moment. I was just like, yo! Beat the dog shit out, you man! Just disrespect. Yo. And, and and the the greatest part was he grabs Frieza's head looking like Thanos from the Infinity War movie, and he looks at him and he's just like, trash should be in the trash bin, don't you think? Holy shit! I was going nuts. I was like, no, Frieza, Frieza got stepchild beaten by fucking Topo. It was beautiful. Bro, just just get fucked. It was just it was crazy. Um. So they did leak the uh, episode 125. Yeah, that's how many episodes have been in Super. Um, Episode 125 is going to be, get ready, Topo versus Vegeta. Oh, boy. 
So Limit Breaker Vegeta is going to be fighting him and Jiren at the same time. I'm going to be talking about 125 in the next episode, so I'm really thrilled about this. The one thing I will say, if you know Go, because meanwhile, while the fight's going on, the the Z Warriors and all of the gods of, of destructions in different universes, along with their masters, like Whis is, the, is, is like pretty much the grandmaster and Beerus is like the god of destruction. Well, they're all watching this. You know it's crazy when Gohan, being one of the strongest and smartest of the Z fighters, doesn't even know what to do against Topo. You know it's that crazy when he doesn't know what to do. Um, so I'm going to say this right now. Vegeta needs this win. He needs the W. He needs to kill Topo. Hopefully he does, but he needs to take the W. But um, I figured we would do Dragon Ball Super episodes and, and, and capitalize off of what's going on because it's getting heated real fucking quick. Bro, it, like, I've never watched Dragon Ball Z, but it sounds interesting. Oh, yeah. It's, man, uh, yo, I, I remember I showed, uh, for everyone who's, who's listening right now, I showed Kyle the, um, the slip and slide Kamehameha that he did to Kefa. Where he just he slid off the uh, off the girl's fucking beam and shot him shot her in the face with the Kamehameha. Oh, that shit was crazy. Yeah, you know, like I remember before Goku was like, oh, he did the only thing he did close to that was in the Cell Saga where it was him and Cell, and Goku was like he was by the street Kamehameha and he's all the way up in the air and you're thinking with the power that he has he can destroy the whole fucking planet. Goku warped teleported, had the, the beam right in his hand, and shot Cell in the fucking face. Yeah, that was that was bananas. Yo, but this one was even more. He's just like, nigga, please, I'm gonna slide off your shit. Kaboom, bitch! But, <laughs> yo, it's 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 hype as hell in terms of uh of the just of the show right now and we're gonna be definitely getting into 125 next episode so i'll let you know guys what i honestly think along with uh some predictions for more dragon ball super stuff yeah man holy shit yes that'll be the new little segment we get into uh kyle was there anything you wanted to bring up because i I do have one more topic Mm. okay well I, i wanted to bring this up i didn't watch i didn't watch it yet um, but I'm, I'm sure you have uh, you have a couple things to say about it. Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes. Uh, if you guys do not know, the trailer dropped. I think what a day or so ago. Um, go check it out. It looks awesome. Um, yeah, man. But let me let me get this question from you. Does Ant Man appeal to you as a character that you could be invested in? Uh, actually, yeah. Actually, I you know I enjoyed what what appearances we've seen from him um particularly in civil war okay um just that moment where he fucking he enlarged himself and grabbed Rhodey's fucking leg i was like oh shit um yeah man i think uh i think he can be a contender okay um some of the stuff that went in that trailer, I won't say anything about the trailer. I think checking it out is is, is worth the uh, the idea. I would definitely check it out. I think it's I think it's exceeding my own expectations of what I originally thought the Ant Man series was gonna be. So already that's telling you a lot. I just I saw that and I'm like, let's go. 
2018 is going to be a really huge year on Marvel's success so far. And, and let's hope they can continue going from there, you know? So, um, the, the last thing I think I had on the agenda was uh, the good comic that I wanted to talk about. Um, and it's something that I've wanted to cover for a while, but I just didn't have the chance to it. Uh, I have been a huge fan of the X-Force. Um, we're getting into the nitty-gritty of... we're Actually, we're getting really close to the time period of Deadpool 2. And what better of a way to talk about Deadpool 2 than to talk about the group that later will come out of this, which would be the X-Force. But we're not going to be talking about the Cannonball, Cable, Richter, Domino group. I'm going to be talking about the most recent one because, well, quite frankly, I know some people have known about it. It's Rick Remner's Uncanny X-Force, which was the group that comprised of Wolverine, Deadpool, uh, Psylocke, Phantom X, and Archangel. Which, Jesus Christ, that that group just sounds awesome. Um, So, before I go on with the story arc, Kyle, what... uh, Does that team scream must-read or... Okay, I wanted to hear your opinion. <laughs> Bro. Oh, yeah. I would be in. Now, um, I, I'd like to tell you the pros and the cons of the story. The con, it was, I, I think, honestly, it should have kept going. But then, I think it's I think it's welcome would have been worn out of just a little bit too much there. Rick Remner did an incredible job with the comic. Um, not only everyone has their own niche about each other. But just them together in unity was one of the best things. The story arc really kind of uh, really went in full force with the Kid Apocalypse storyline. Um, and it rose a question that I think is a good social question. Do you kill a kid that later becomes pretty much a deity and a god amongst everyone else? It doesn't even matter if you're human or mutant. Or do you raise this kid to be of his own? His own kind of his own kind of species that you raise him to be better than what he was, and um, the dynamic of Captain America, Iron Man, uh, Luke Cage, and and Daredevil that does ne- that has not changed in this group. Every group has two people with two different ideologies, and surprisingly, Deadpool is the other ideology in this entire one. Wolverine is the other. And it's, it's a really interesting ideology here between the two of them because Deadpool doesn't want to kill the kid. His moral is don't kill kids and women. But Wolverine's like, we got to kill this kid. This, this dude is going to turn to end Sabanor. He's about to, he's going to wreck everything in sight. But Wade believes that we could, they could raise him differently. Um, and just, and, and Wade's disgusted with Logan's actions and comes out and says, well, you can kill a kid if it makes you sleep all night. I'm not going to. And just, he does his own thing with, uh, they call him Evan in the, uh, in the comic, just to not go off and Sabanor, but they kind of did with the first part of his name. So, uh, him and Evan, Wade and Evan actually grow an interesting bond together. And it's one of those things where, uh, they captured one of Deadpool's saddest moments, um, Evan is contained in this room that basically shuts off his powers. And it's at that moment, Evan hugs him and says, you know, I don't have many heroes in my life, but you happen to be one of them. Oh, shit. And hugs Deadpool. And it, it was really one of those great moments. And be honest, Kyle knows that I'm a huge fan of Deadpool. And I mean, any person who's been a fan since the beginning 
that's to them, you know, um, to escape the reality in the world around you. That was, if I was able to hug Wade himself, I would. And Evan really was an extension of what every other Deadpool fan who, you know, really does appreciate the character for, even even though some people looked at look at him blindly and saying he's just for slapstick comedy. No, he's much more than that. Um, and it's, it's a must read. Uh, in, in, in terms of what I honestly think, Uncanny X-Force is one of the very few that I think if you have the money, you have the dough, the financials, whatever the capabilities are, I don't care if it's digital. I, I mean, Kyle, we go physical. Grab the physical copy. Yeah. It's just, it's an amazing read. I mean, I think it's on par in terms of amazing read that I would put of uh, Batman and Red Hood and the Outlaws in the Rebirth series. Yeah, it's that good. Um, the art is amazing. Um, later down the road, there's a couple more arcs, and then they kind of shut the gates on it a little bit, which I understand because it was like around that time Daniel Way was giving up his Deadpool, which, thank fucking God, let me just tell you, that man was an abomination to fucking uh, Deadpool. Um, but yeah, it, I, I would put it up there as the very few comics that can contend against uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, and also um, Batman and Rebirth. And Scott Lodell is a great writer, but that right there, Rick Remner is really, I think he really nailed it on the head with that one. I mean, all you had to say was, can't contend with Batman from Rebirth, and I was on board. <laughs> um. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was there was one comic that I think you may laugh at, and it's like very early in the series, and uh, I think Wolverine and Phanomex, um, or I think it was Archangel is one of the two, and they're walking through the hallway, and they go in Deadpool's room, and they catch him talking to two teddy bears, and Wade's coming out, and he's interrogating the teddy ruckspins in the room, and he's like, do you know the whereabouts of the X-Force? And it's like, it only screens why Deadpool is the most ins- one of the most insane characters ever. Because he's just, he's looking at him with the most straight face while you realize that Teddy Ruxpin's not going to talk to him. But it's just the stuffed animals in the room he's talking to and asking the whereabouts of the X-Force. Yeah. And it just, and, and Wolverine and, and, and Phantom X or Archangel, whichever the two, they're like, this is why he has a separate room on the far area of the entire just building. Close the door, they walk away. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those characters that you can understand why people have so much love for it. Oh yeah, um, which it's it's gonna be cool. It's actually really cool to. I mean, it's the best time to be a Deadpool fan right now because you got two coming out. Uh, he's in the MCU now. You know, I mean, technically he is, but you know, he's in the MCU now. You know, it's 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 a good time too. You know, I never would thought I would have ever said that because of just the stuff we were going through with Daniel Way and then Fox and then all the stuff that happened in 96 with the bankruptcy. But it's it's a good time to be a Deadpool fan because you can go past and present and you could read some really good stuff. Escape the dead shit, you know, just don't get anywhere close to what Daniel Way was writing prior to his end of his run. But everything else is, is, is pretty standard. It's pretty good. I mean, not even just Deadpool. It's a good time to be a comic fan. That too. Oh, yeah. You know, I know you were you were telling me how awesome Scott Lodell has wrote for uh for Batman. 
oh yeah, holy shit. Um, you know, there, there are these certain writers that you can tell uh, understands the character that you're reading for, mm-hmm. or at least, um, you know, the way you think that character is. Yeah. And uh, that's that's one of them, dude. Holy shit, does he get it. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, you want people that can understand and get the idea of these characters and, and hopes that they, you know, and they, he's one of the few that knock it out of the park in terms of not only just Batman, but Red Hood, which that leads us to Red Hood and the Outlaws. What a comic that was for 2017. Oh, yeah. You know, um, just looking back at things, you know, the last comic I read out of it was where it was, you know, Artemis and Red Hood have like jetpacks and shit. And Bizarro is, is still smart, but he's declining. It's not a permanent fix, but it was declining, and it, um, and he was he was still up there in terms of intellect, and he was building things for them, and their utopia, their building, is just it's above Gotham City, and it's invisible, um, which is very awesome, and it, yeah, obviously Batwing, which I'm just gonna tell you this right now, if you like Batwing, I don't know, what to tell you, um, I, I don't. Uh, if you like Batwing. You like Tony Stark. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's really what it comes down to. Um, um, for being entirely honest about it. I mean, I know I showed I showed John uh, a panel. I think it was from... I think it was from the Victim Syndicate. Yeah, um, it was. Volume 2 of Detective Comics, I believe. Yeah. Uh, if, not, uh, if not Volume 2, then Volume 1. Where it literally it just looked like the Iron Man helmet with bad ears on it. Yeah, it it was that bad, guys. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to read it, but or even check it out. But it looked very much like Iron Man. It was not even funny. I was just like, what the hell? Yeah. When when the fuck did Tony Stark make it into my comic? Um. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, and and. From what I can tell, his, his personality was very similar. Um, it, it was almost like, yo, let's let's take Tony Stark, let's make him black, and let's put him in, in Batman. Yeah. Um, while I can accept that the characters exist in different universes, and therefore very plausible that they could exist at the same time, um... I'm still like, if you read Marvel, you know this is Tony. Oh yeah, most definitely. Is, what I've said is, over there. This is Tony joining the Bat family. Yeah. Um, and then you have, I, I mean, with, with with that, it's like you have Skyle Odell, you have Mark Wade, who I only read one issue, and I'm I'm meaning to get back into some Captain America. Hopefully, they have oh, by by the time uh, next episode comes up, I'll be able to know just what the fuck happened with him as far as a whole goes but I remember the first comic with Mark Wade who took on Captain America after that abysmal fucking Secret Empire run they had and and you can you can just if you ever wanted to hit up Kyle on Instagram and act hey so what did John feel about with uh with Captain America I'm pretty sure he's gonna be like well he wasn't really happy to be a Captain America fan when that was going out um yeah ask John about Secret Empire guys um he loves it that, yeah, oh yeah, I it's the it's the greatest arc ever. Like, oh my god, I had a heart on for it. Um, he, he, he loved the shit out of that movie. I, I, that, uh, that comic. Yo, I, I was like masturbating every time I saw him in that Hydra suit. Like, you have no idea. I was fapping every legit time. 
Like, I, I think I nutted when I saw him with the shield. I couldn't help it. Like, it's like, come on, dude. Like, freaking, it was the most terrible. I love how we go from that to just the true nature of what I think about it. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, like, Marvel Studios was looking at what they were doing, and they went, no. What? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Even Chris Evans was like, what the fuck? Because I remember he also posted a tweet on it, and I'm just like, yeah, Nick Spencer, you know you pissed off somebody when the guy who was actually acting for the character you're fucking up gives a response about it. Yeah. You know, and I'm just looking at that. I'm like, dude, dude go somewhere. Like, I, I don't need you writing for my shit. Like, don't ever write for any character ever again, honestly. Um, it's him and Bendis that we just have a fucking problem with. But, like, when Mark Wade took over, he wrote uh, a really nice story basically about Captain America and bringing him back to his roots a little bit. And I'm like, yo, Mark Wade, let's go. You know, like it was awesome. It really brought a lot of the love that I have for Captain America back in some kind of regards. Um, and then there's Joe Kelly, which if I could think of anybody off the, the face of earth who's written comics, I'd love to meet him. Cause he, he really brought the chimichanga loving Deadpool that we all know and love. Let, let's be real. He really did. Uh, from, the days of the very first comic where they did a mock off of Spider-Man's first issue carrying somebody with his hand and instead it was like a rope and Deadpool's doing the same. Um, I love that issue. Whenever I see that issue, I know good things are coming out of that. Uh, to uh, later when he when he was done off his run, which it, it's all good in the hood when he was. I mean, he he's he's written for Spider Man, he's written for She Hulk, he's written for for Deadpool. I mean, he's had a good hand in a lot of characters, you know, and and he deserves nothing but praise, honestly. Um, and so it's it's uh, Joe Kelly, it's Mark Wade, uh, Mark Loeb, who did the Incredible Hulks. Which, that was a great story. If anyone really wanted to read that, go. Because that was... Mark Loeb did a really good job of, of taking an under uh, overused fucking concept and making something good out of it. Mm-hmm. Which, that's that's very hard to do, um, honestly. I, I kind of... I scratched my head. I'm like, how the fuck is he able to do this? And it was it was really intriguing. To, to make Hulk go from a boring... Just, okay, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde character to, wait a minute, we're going to give this character even more depth than he already fucking had and put him on the line against, you know, Red Hulk and almost every other obstacle you can throw at him. Because, I mean, they they really put him against almost everything. Um, Not like in terms of enemies, just the things he was going on within himself really gave more of the psychology of what Banner goes through. And what he when he's going through when he doesn't have Hulk in his possession. Yeah. So, but I realize we have reached the hour, the hour and tenth mark. I realize we have reached that that mark. Uh, Kyle, any last words? Um, not a whole lot, man. You know, uh, I I I think in this hour we've uh, we've pretty much covered everything we need to. Gotcha. Um. For episode five, we're going to be covering everything phase two in terms of the MCU in general. Uh, we're also going to be covering Dragon Ball Super 125. You'll hear more of me and my crazy black moments as they go on while I'm wearing the fucking Vegeta shirt. Um, we're going to be trying to put a Patreon together. 
Um, hopefully we can get some to fund the show, which is actually kind of exciting in some ways too, to get this show getting a fund, you know, a, a amount of funding from, you know, just anybody in general. Um, so we're going to get that going and, um, yeah, for the most part, we'll see you guys back for episode five. Yeah, absolutely. This is the trigger happy chatterbox. And this is the world's greatest detective. Dead bad. Hold on to what's golden. We're taking back to the days of yes, Charlene. We're holding on to what's golden. All the streets are raging, I'm rolling. We're not falling. We're taking back to the days of yes, Charlene. We're holding on to what's golden. <laughs>